0: Well, hey, Bookshelf Shelfies, it is Mary Barbara Hanna and back for the new year 2021. And I'm very excited about this year. I've got a lot of great guests lined up. And this first person that we've got kicking off our year is someone who doesn't know what I'm about to say, but she is near and dear to my heart because she truly inspired me to be the person I am today and to do the work that I do today. Yeah, she doesn't know. Um, This is Kim Langley. And I met Kim when I worked at Providence House in Cleveland back a long time ago now, about 15 years ago. And I was the education manager and I was working on my master's degree in adult learning and development. And I had found Kim through the person who had the job before me, Kim had, was coming in and doing professional development for our staff So my first experience with Kim was her coming in with all of her, this was, um, you know, she had all her books, and they were all marked, and she would do maybe two (laughs) hours of emotional intelligence, or, um, you know, leadership skills, whatever whatever it was. And uh, I think even, I remember a very specific one where we were doing difficult conversations, and Kim was playing, role-playing with me about, you know, just, she just picked a topic like, why are you always late? But the hilarious part is, I was always late and still am. I'm always five minutes off. But anyway, that um, so I, I just thought, wow, I love what she does and I want to do that thing. And so as I worked my way through my degree, my adult learning and development degree, I ultimately now, 15 years later, do exactly the same thing. I write and deliver professional development. And I will tell you honestly and truly, Kim was my inspiration for that. She doesn't know. This is the first time she's hearing me say that. Um, yeah. So I really, Kim, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you and how much you impacted my life and I mean, that I have carried your spirit.
1: You. you never get tired of hearing that.
0: No, you don't. And I bet you've impacted a lot of people because I know you've I been doing so. this for
1: a <laughs> long, time. Nobody wants long to feel time. like they lived a wasted life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or had a negative impact. Oh my, oh my God, God. <laughs> not Kim Langley. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I've invited Kim today, number one, because she is a great reader. We've been Facebook friends forever and ever. And as you, my listeners know, this is... um weird world of facebook that has provided so far all my listeners i mean all my uh guests Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: um and so you know you how you keep track of people through facebook and you kind of know what's going on in their life even though you've never spoken to them in years and years and years so hilariously not and not in a funny way i just mean in a spiritually joyful way Um, (laughs) when kim joined the session this morning i'm waiting and kim you know the zoom thing rings and i click admit And she comes out and the first thing she does is she starts clapping. And that's how I know that she and I are kindred spirits, because we are both like joyful, joyful. yay! It's my friend. It's my playmate. You know, people, even though we haven't seen each other, talked in years, doesn't matter. Still the same. And we launched right into, uh, you know, a 15 minute conversation before we could even get recording. (laughs) so that's what I want my listeners to know about you, Kim, is just the amazing impact you had on my life professionally and personally, and uh, that I've always held you as my, um, you know, person on the, (laughs) my person on the platform, it sounds like you're waiting for a train, Uh, but, you know, my person of esteem that I just, um, because you are so kind and generous and giving and loving and um, you know, all about doing it for other people. And you really had such a great impact on me. All right, enough with the shenanigans. Wow,
1: again. holy moly. Yeah, that's quite an introduction.
0: <laughs> um, so now I really will get on with the interview. And uh, what I want you to do is, yeah, tell people a little bit about yourself, whatever you would like. Uh, the work that you do, now that I've talked a little bit about it, maybe how you got into it, what carries you forward, um, you know, just a little sure. bit about Kim Lingley.
1: Um okay well the basics would be um married for a thousand years to the same guy
0: (laughs) okay okay so you're both vampires mostly
1: we still like each other (laughs) that's good that's good important of course we've all been put to the test since the pandemic but absolutely so far so good and i'm the proud mom of two children who are grown up and smarter than me naturally (laughs) and um I'm the grandmother to a dog who I adore. <laughs> <laughs> so look at my Facebook page; you will see Tucker, Tucker, Tucker. All it's, over it. It. it's so
0: great to be a, a grandparent to a a, a a pet, a pet grandparent. Yeah, I, I also I have a cat. Oh God, but...
1: I love that dog so much, and he loves me when yes. you not know, each other that often since the pandemic. But when he comes, he looks at me like I'm the sun, the moon, and the stars. <laughs> who wouldn't, <laughs> who doesn't need that occasionally? Exactly. I saw a funny thing on Facebook recently that was somebody said, someday someone will come into your life and they will be obsessed with you. It'll probably be a dog, <laughs> <laughs> but it is what it is. Right. I thought, we'll yeah, take what we can exactly get right. exactly. So Unless you I put a tail a on moment. your husband. Oh well, <laughs> he, fortunately he likes the dog too because he's not the jealous type. <laughs> um, let's see, a thousand years ago, I was a high school teacher. and I loved it. and the bigger they were the older they were, the better I liked them, which I guess makes me weird because I taught mostly juniors and seniors. And I have my accents from Pittsburgh, some of you already know that. <clears throat> and that's where I taught high school. And then when we moved to just outside of Cleveland, Ohio in Lakewood, I, it was the wrong time of the year to get a job as a teacher. It was August. So I couldn't okay. get a job as a teacher. So I got a job as a director of adult education at a really big church. And which, can I ask what church? Yeah. Yeah. It was St. Francis de Sales in Parma. Which oh, okay. Some people know, even when they're not from Cleveland, because everybody makes fun of Parma right. for their pink flamingos. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and uh, we had, can you imagine this was in the eighties we had. Eight services on the weekend, wow! Four clergy on the staff, wow! And four thousand people on the rolls.
0: That's you know, yeah, for the for the people who grew up Catholic, that makes a lot of sense. But if you're not Catholic, you're You're like, like,
1: what? (laughs) I know. Now we would consider it a mega church. I suppose. Yeah, right, right. But the job almost buried me because it was, you know, it was so big. And I was having both of my children during that time. On the other hand, what I learned is I really love adult learning. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I was lucky because my master's degree was in education. So from that job, then I went on to have a career in adult learning and I have corporate clients who I love. And I also did all this not-for-profit work like the way I met you um because you know you want to leave the world a better place and you found it you know it's not only about the paycheck so but I was lucky because the corporations paid the bills and then the other work was or that's sent to kids to college I should say yeah yeah so it's been awesome and I'm um I guess I'm semi-retired now but I want to put the emphasis on semi because I still love teaching. right you know with the pandemic has changed everything Although not, there've been a lot of bright spots for me in it and what not least, you know, how grateful I am that I had work that I could do from home. So yes. I have done some remote teaching and I'm invested now that we're seeing how it's all going to go um, in 2021, I'm joined another group where I might do teaching. So anyway, your what your listeners might be interested in is that I, um, do some what i call retreat work even though it's really seeker work you know i am a raised catholic but i'm very progressive and i hope broad-minded and so i'm comfortable with my friends in all kinds of religious and spiritual situations and i'm a certified spiritual companion which something we used to call spiritual director some people call them onamkaras. and um you know that's a, i love doing that because i usually talk get us, people yeah, who have us. a lot of questions <laughs> okay
0: yeah talk about that a little bit because i oh, um really I'm, all, I'm a very spiritual person I and know. i love talking about spiritual stuff so i would like to hear more about what you do how do people access you and
1: um how did you get started in that go down that uh, road a little bit for us okay thank i'd be happy to so um When I was in my 30s, I was like most people in their 30s trying to figure out what is life all about and how will I use my time on the planet and all that. And so um, first I went to a counselor and that was very helpful. Um, I had a very loving family, but like many families, we put the fun in dysfunction. So, you know, there was... (laughs) few things to figure out let's put it that way
0: oh my god
1: and so when then when the counselor sort of you know said okay you're you're good done yeah (laughs) yeah. they broke up with you
0: it's always startling when your therapist is like well guess what we don't have to see each other anymore and i i go i'm like um i have a new problem i'm pretty (laughs) sure you cannot send me out there by myself.
1: Yeah, <laughs> That's it's just, yeah, exactly I, it. I, This is I, why we were friends all these years. Right. That's exactly why, But you can't send me. I really need a keeper. I can't exactly, be out there by myself. Exactly. <clears throat> so I went looking semi-actively for somebody to mentor me. And I was introduced to um, a woman who was a spiritual director. And I had never had one. I hardly knew what they did. But I knew I liked her after mm-hmm. like an hour of conversation, I'm like, this, this woman is wise. <laughs> I want to, mm-hmm. I want to hang in her orbit a little yes. bit. Yeah. Lucky me, you know, she said yes. And she, and of course she had a lot of directees, but um, we, she was my director for almost 30 years until she passed away last oh. year. And oh, uh, boy, I still miss her every sure. day. And she, yeah. I, joked that she was, I mean, it wasn't really a joke. She was my spiritual mother. You know, I had, oh,
0: that's amazing. That's a real,
1: that's a serious tie. Yeah. And Much I mean, not everybody one. has that relationship with their spiritual director. So, you know, and it was 30 years growing, yeah. but um, what does a spiritual director do? Mostly they listen and they ask good questions oh. and what makes it, they try to anyway, and what makes them different from a counselor? the things you bring to a spiritual director are more under the umbrella of pastoral counseling mm-hmm. slash spiritual development mm-hmm. slash adult learning. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they help you as you want to be helped a good spiritual director that has no agenda to push to, um, navigate like moral dilemmas. Mm. And, um, you know, if you're inclined, like if you're a person who believes in, um, in God, like a mm-hmm. discreet God, you know, mm-hmm. God is, you understand God as a person and you engage in prayer, then that you, they're a person you can talk to about that. So my spiritual director would often say to you, me, where are you meeting God in your life right now? At you know, the bar. And I'm no fundamentalist, that's for sure. So I, not one who thinks God sends you tests and then, yeah, right, right. how are you doing down there? You know, <laughs> I, I don't, That's not me. I don't mean to step on the toes of anyone who believes that, but I don't. And so the notion of who that God was over the 30 years really evolved from kind of what I learned as a kid in school or classes, you know what I mean, into what, at least to me, is a more satisfying adult relationship and understanding of who God is, you Mm -hmm. know? And mm-hmm. so, and, uh, you know, and then she was a reader and I'm a reader. So, you know, she'd have me reading Jewish mystics and a little mm-hmm. Buddhism and then mm-hmm. Catholic theologians. And it was just unbelievably expanding. So at this point in my life, I would say, I am not interested in any spirituality that is not expansive.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, I actually am quest- tempted to say, how do you feel when you hear me say that?
0: <laughs> oh, I, I feel, of course, I mean, we're, you and I are must be spiritual sisters because I'm absolutely right where you are.
1: Yeah.
0: I grew up Catholic. I left Catholicism and became Jehovah's Witness. I was um, Jehovah's that. Witness for about 10 years and um, left there. And when I left there, I certainly was having a spiritual crisis. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I had grown up, when you grow up Catholic, when you grow up in a religion, you know, they just tell you what to believe and you're a small child, so you do. And when you convert to a religion, you're doing it because you're making a conscious choice and you're choosing things. And when you leave a religion, again, you're doing it for conscious reasons. Um, And it sent me on the path of a little bit of spiraling out of control spiritually because I didn't know the truth anymore, what's real and what isn't. And I remember asking several people, um, you know, what what should I believe? What should I believe? And pretty much the answer was you have to just figure it out for yourself, which is a really, as you know, frightening,
1: it frightening
0: is. place to be. It's
1: like staring into the void.
0: Yep, it really is. And so these many low these many years. So twenty years later, I've been um, on a consistent spiritual seeking um, path journey. All those cliche words. Um, But I'm just like yourself. I'm actively doing it. I'm actively seeking answers and asking God about things. And one of the biggest revelations I had, I think, and is uh, when I moved to Hong Kong, I, you know, I, because I've been on my own, I feel very protected and very close to God because he's all I have. I don't have a priest and a congregation and um, a choir and, you know, any of those support group type things. I just Mm -hmm. have him. And when I moved to Hong Kong, um, it was interesting how much more I developed that relationship with him because it's easy to be close to God when everything is great. But when you're thrown like anybody into the raging waters, you know what, what do you really believe now? You know, right, look right, exactly right. to your point. How's it going down there? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so um, I was at this, I was mm. trying some different churches and um, because I don't belong to one congregation or another. And so I was at a an Episcopal church or an Anglican church, I think,
1: mm-hmm.
0: because Hong Kong was, um, you know, a British colony for so long, so they have Anglican churches there, and the choir walked in, it's a big, big uh, St. John's Cathedral, it's spectacular there, and anyway, the choir was leaving and singing, and the, I can't tell you the song they were singing, but I just remember listening, and they're singing in English, which was great, Um, and they're singing, you know, what, something like, what if we are all brothers and sisters, we are all one, you know, across, uh, you know, Essentially saying, look, we, we might be Hong Kongers and we might speak a different language and have an entirely different culture, but we're still brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, and because I don't know if you've, how much you've traveled or, or have had the opportunity to be in other countries, but when you live in a place where people don't speak English as the first language, um, my husband was traveling. I was literally alone in this country. Right. Um, so anywhere you go, go to the grocery store, go to the market. Right anything you do, bank, um, the everything, there is some English, but primarily they speak Cantonese. So mm-hmm. you spend a lot of time not hearing your own language. You don't know what people are saying. You're completely disconnected. Mm-hmm. And I thought when I heard that, that song, We're All Brothers and Sisters, I thought, you know, all I have to do is change the way I think about this situation. So now when I go out in the street, even though I don't know what they're saying, that woman is my grandmother and that man is my grandfather. And they don't mean me harm or ill will or anything I'm related to these people and when I could start feeling that way I my whole perspective changed about how I relate to people in the world and I had to go to Hong Kong to find that because there wasn't any way to experience it here in the U.S. Right, right. Um, so when I hear you talk about being a spiritual seeker and expansive, I'm right there with you because I think it's it's key to the continual development. And really, when you said um, uh, an adult learner, it meant to me that lifelong learner.
1: Yes. You know, mm-hmm. we're
0: really, as adults, you have that opportunity to be a lifelong learner. And yes, it is scary. And yes, it can be um unsettling and having a spiritual director or in Hong Kong I actually found a great group my friend Kate Wiseman um, started a spiritual literacy group that I belonged to for the about four or five years that I um she and I it was amazing and um she was our spiritual director Mm -hmm. Uh, um, and but we really as a group were spiritually directing each other as well she kind of facilitated right um and I I She's moving back to the US. so I'm hoping to rope her into some conversations, but also interviewing her. Um, and then recently somebody, and you may, I'm sure you've heard of this book, it's called A Course in Miracles.
1: Yes. Uh huh.
0: Yeah, I've never heard of it, don't know anything about it. And a friend of mine just sent out this random email. And said, so like, hey, somebody suggested this book, so I'm gonna read it. If anybody wants to read along, let's make a little group. And I'm like, well, I'm in, you know, I haven't, right. that's fine. Wow, what a mind bending, mind blowing book.
1: Yeah, it's been quite a while since I read it, but I know it's done a lot of good for a lot of people. I mean, it Is didn't it- capture all of my philosophy, but not but so much as and I'm appreciative of how many doors it has opened.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. I mean, again, you I, I think um, I, I don't want to say like I, I pick and choose what God is and isn't. I think God just is. And it's me getting to know. Yes, <laughs> is isness. And, um, you know, every book I pick up, maybe not every single thing is applicable or I can't understand every single thing or yes. for, for whatever the differences are. Maybe it's cultural. Maybe I'm just not, you know, developed enough or I'm past that or,
1: you know, right, again, exactly. to your point.
0: I'm past the, um, you know, God is going to punish you piece. That's that's right. not going to happen.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: So anyway, so as we
1: used to say that um, their, their belief was that when a person dies, you meet God face to face. And for the first time, you see what perfect unconditional love is like. And you judge yourself because mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. see where you fell short of that. Mm-hmm. And you, unless you have the hardest heart imaginable, you f- you um, are deeply repentant, mm-hmm. and then you fall into God's arms. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. love that idea that you know if God is love, <laughs> and often when I pray, I just right. pray about love. You know, because I'm I'm not. <laughs> as comfortable as i used to be with the idea that god is a him or her
0: right right just the (laughs) vernacular, right right
1: i kind of like that martin buber i and thou Uh to god and um anyway but i love the idea that you can metaphorically fall into god's arms that feels so right to me i i do i I reminded of a story if you don't Absolutely. Please go right ahead. No, no, this is about you. everything you read reveals some aspect of God as you understand God to you. I remember, um, reading one time, a story that was written by a Benedictine brother or priest. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Anyway, he had a dog and the dog was lost and he was grieving that dog. And one of the brothers said to him, why do you persist in grieving this dog? It's only a dog. And the human companion of this lost dog said, yes, but to me, it reveals the dogginess of God. (laughs) The dogginess of God. I love that idea. Like years back when I was in, while I was taking care of my parents actually I talk about my book you'll hear more about that but um and it was very difficult time and I definitely spent some time circling the drain you know certain days yes (laughs) yes. I mean we all do let's be honest right no I'm glad
0: you are honest yeah so my kids
1: said what can we do to help and I said I don't know I think I need like a hobby something that will just take my mind off of you know all these responsibilities and worries that I have And so I asked them for a uh, bird feeder. (laughs) (laughs) If you'd have told me when I was in my 30s that in my 60s, I would be watching birds, I would have laughed at you. So they get me this bird feeder and a couple times a day, I would make a cup of tea, stand at the back door and just watch them come and go. And I can't tell you how consoling it was because no matter what stuff was roiling around in my heart, here are these birds just living their best bird life. <laughs> yes, <laughs> not yes. the least bit concerned about my problems. Long after I'm gone, they'll still be around, coming and going. And I remembered that story. I'm like, well, they're the birdiness of God. You know? <laughs> I of love I that. I feel camp. affection for them. Of course, yes. they lift me up. You know. Do you so know. I- now I have five bird feeders. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> wow that you're you
1: and a wow. squirrel feeder
0: oh my god don't tell that some people don't like squirrels
1: i personally do see, i like squirrels. The squirreliness of god that's that right that's right <laughs> I accept all comers.
0: Or or the nuttiness of God. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Go there a little bit. Um, I I think that when I watch, we also have bird feeders. And um, we can see them from where we sit in our assigned seats on our couch. Um, You know how that is in a family. Everybody has their assigned seat. And uh, so we have that going on. Um, And the bird feeders are set so we can see them. And um, I think to myself, you know, what's interesting is that's reality. Right. That's real. Birds eating the bird seed. And making their nests and teaching their kids to fly and all those things. You know, no matter what you see on TV, no matter what I'm feeling inside, I'm not saying it's real or not real, but the everydayness of the sun coming up and going down, the rotation of the earth, the wind. And so being outside or being a part of that reality is far more interesting to me
1: and godlike and spiritual. grounding. Yeah, exactly. This is one of the reasons why, as I am... in the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years, well, you asked me, this all started with, well, how did you decide to become a spiritual companion? Oh yeah. Yeah. Great. And now we just circled right back around to that because um, in the last 10 more, a little more than 10 years now, I think I've been leading poetry circles as a source of kind of very loosely spiritual, very expansively spiritual conversation. So Mm. sometimes the G word never even comes up. People may not talk about God, but they talk about, you know, what's on their hearts and what it means to live meaningfully and so on. And we use these poems that I choose as a springboard for that. I love them. Around a theme. And actually, if, I'm going to do a quick on not self-promoting uh, commercial. But you can. Listeners because this, I'm so passionate about this poetry ministry as a springboard for meditation or journaling mm, mm-hmm. or prayer or conversation that I started a ministry that I call Word Spa. Right. W-O-R-D-S-P-A. And the S P A stands for Spirituality Poetry Appreciation. Oh, I love that. Okay. A website, WordSpa.net. Okay. And on it tells you a little bit about what it means to lead a poetry circle and how to read poetry mindfully. Mm-hmm. But there's also a resource page that, since I'm sure your listeners are avid readers, and some of them probably either like poetry or think they don't like poetry, but will if they go to my resource page.
0: <laughs> Part of your evil plan to take Part over of
1: my evil world. plan for making the world a better place. That's exactly. <laughs> I'll get you my pretties. Yeah, exactly. So they're, they're like all free. All the um, PDFs of the programs that I've, circles that I've led over the years are all up there. And so you can pick a topic. So one that people might be interested in now is, um poems poems during a time of endurance or something mm-hmm, I call mm-hmm. it. another one was um well i did advent and i've had done lenten programs so mm-hmm. if you have any people in ministry they could use that as a resource and then i have one um, just on womanhood and one on um a lot of them are like growth and development oriented of course because you can see that's sort of my raison d'etre but the poems are carefully chosen by me because i want them to revolve around a theme and I want them to be accessible. Mm-hmm, so they're mm-hmm. not like boring. They're not da dum, da dum, da dum, dum. <laughs> they're not greeting card poems. I was just going to say right roses out. are red,
0: <laughs> violets are blue. That is yeah. important. And so are you.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I don't have a lot of patience for that. That's one of my flaws, I suppose. Um, but they are, um, they're accessible, but they also invite a deeper dive and so the conversation is unbelievable like people have said things like i came to this group thinking i don't know anything about poetry i'm only here because my friend dragged me (laughs) and then they leave saying when can we do this again
0: so are those groups let me just kind of clarify a little bit before covid these were groups that were meeting in person
1: yes And now are you doing
0: it online? Now you're doing it on Zoom. Mm -hmm. And how does somebody get onto the Zoom?
1: Okay, so there's a couple ways. Um, One, I'm on Facebook and I have a um, page for the word SPA ministry. So a a kind of minimal engagement would be like that page and make it one of your Mm see-firsts. And you'll get a poem every couple of days that are mindful and seasonal and could be I feel like I'm important. on words
0: I must not have because I know that I I mean you I know about words, but I'm not sure what is why I don't see my poem every couple of days all right so algorithms
1: or Facebook are an enormous mystery yeah so <laughs> and I've read a lot about them but then of course they also change
0: yeah yeah so a
1: big thing is if you want to keep seeing it you have to like it all the time yeah oh i
0: see what you're saying okay and
1: or comment on it so what i invite people to do is pick a word or phrase from that poem that they really love and put it in the comments and that's actually quite interesting to see what people pick out and put in the comments yeah it'll come to you or you know you how you can set facebook so that there's this kind of default setting where you see certain pages first. So yeah, yeah. That's what I do because I gotcha, since okay. the book came out so many people friended me which is lovely. I I always want to say yes to that. But now like you almost never come up in my newsfeed i would have to go looking for you how can that be i know (laughs) doesn't matter we're still connected
0: (laughs) (laughs) really i can tell you there's nothing interesting going on down here
1: Um, (laughs) i don't believe that for a second (laughs) so
0: so so you are doing um how often does word spa meet to talk about poems are you meeting once a month or twice
1: no i mean i'm not saying i wouldn't be open to that if there was a group oh okay but it's not a set it's not a set time, time gotcha. and that's why the best way to find out about them is to friend me personally you kim know just langley. kim langley mm-hmm. um, on facebook or to join the word spa page because i always post a circle there okay and then there's a little um reflection center in lakewood that kind of sponsors that they have the zoom link oh, that brings in
0: all the- that's awesome
1: it is awesome because the group cha- there's a core group who loves it and they never miss it and then there's another group that revolves around that core group that meet comes when they can. Mm-hmm. And then we always have a couple new people every time. And last time we just did one during Advent and I think we had 30, 35 people and it was oh, marvelous. You know? Yeah. I mean, I always, I always get something out of it and I, yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Something about l- reading them together. Yes. them out loud. You know, they mm-hmm. fall on the ear and then we do this pick a word or phrase and speak it into the circle. It just takes on a whole different thing. And it sort of, I don't know, like calls something up in you. And then, um, and I'm the facilitator. So my job is to make sure that nobody takes too much of the time up or says, I keep the group so safe. Like that's my job, you know? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so it is safe and people come back over and over. So for a while, we were doing some, about five a month, year since the pandemic, we've maybe did three. Mm-hmm. But anyway, people are very welcome to uh, email Great. me. Just email me, and I can yeah. tell you more about it if you... And, and
0: yeah, they can also go, go to your... Website. Yeah, the website. So yeah, wordspa.net. Website, actually, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm lazy because I don't... Oh,
0: you can't do the everything.
1: ...programs on the website. I can't keep up with it. Yeah. So Facebook... Facebook is, really is the best. Mm-hmm. So you can and just... And I do have an email list. So I have a poetry lover's email list. Okay. And when I remember... <laughs> I send an email to everybody saying, "Okay, mark your calendar. There's one." Book. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. You know,
0: it is um, a labor of yeah, love, as you and I talked about earlier.
1: Podcast, it's a lot.
0: Yeah, it's a I mean, lot you're it just...
1: happens behind the scenes.
0: Exactly. You don't just sit down and we're well, like, "Oh, I did this." Mm-hmm. You have to remember to post it and promote it, and hours, you know, you got to get people ahead of it. To
1: choose the poems, and but it is worth it. Oh, I can't even and imagine. Has them in front of
0: them. So the poems that you're choosing—does that mean you have any ginormous poetry book collection?
1: Oh, crime and itny. Well, you're looking at it. It's some of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, a thousand years ago, as a youth in college, I was an English major and I took so many poetry classes that my advisor said to me, If you don't take the American novel, we can't graduate you. (laughs) <laughs> I was like Piffle, the American novel. You know, <laughs> some of your readers are like, oh! <laughs> no. I have come to love the American novel since, but I was on fire for poetry." Yeah, so I took as much of it as I could, and then I took the American novel, <laughs> and I did graduate. And I, well, you
0: did read Tolkien. I mean you are you've told me, you know, oh, that you're a huge a Tolkien huge fan. So Tolkien I'm not saying fan. I'm not saying he is the quintessential American novel because first of all. He's no,
1: part. no, because he's British, but, of course, but, but he has a you huge know. following and I can't hear his name without saying to the professor <laughs> yes that sounds like a great drinking game his birthday january 3rd was his birthday oh, oh um, my gosh that's amazing So yeah he really influenced me though talk about a man who loves language holy yes. moly yeah some people only know the movies and so they're like oh elves and you know but that that those the lord of the rings books um the Hobbit is more of a children's book, and I like it, but I don't go back to it over and over the way I do The Lord of the Rings.
0: Now, do you have, for Lord of the Rings, you have one big book, or do you have three separate books? No, or I have what's three. Your...
1: He thought of it yeah. as one big book printed in three parts. Yeah. But it's heavy. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly in, what
0: I was thinking. Like, I go back in to one it often.
1: volume, so, yeah. Yeah. And I actually have some lovely ones that are illustrated that I look through when I need a pick-me-up, but my mm-hmm. go-to copy is this really worn written in pages turned down on the corners. Yes. Let's say it, Kim. yes. I know some people have just clicked away from the podcast. Right That's now. right.
0: They're like, forget it. I can't listen to her. And I was I was gonna be say, spiritual, but now I know her. She's evil. Yeah, she's well, a just
1: monster. Ju- Exactly.
0: Just ju- let me just ask you this then. Um the copy that you go back to often paperback or hardback? Yeah,
1: paperback. Paperback, like yeah. Easy to throw in a purse or yeah. pick up on the nightstand. And um, and my daughter's a librarian. So, yeah, I get it. You know, family. Yeah. Don't, where's my book? Like, don't lay your book down like this. Oh, you know, right. I mean, I've seen oh. people lose their minds online because somebody's <laughs> book was like that. <laughs> don't turn the corners down in a library book. But, like, these are my books, my thought books. That's right. I get to underline my favorite quotations. And I'm a language nerd. Big surprise there. So, was Tolkien, of course. So, he will use a word that's really descended from old English and not mm-hmm. in common use. So I circle those and I look them up in the online. Oh, online so awesome. oh, it's really you know, can
0: I just tell you, this is, um, you know, my idea of heaven is um, <laughs> that we just have this unending eternity to read amazing books and do the no research kidding. and learn that information. I don't do anything. Well, that isn't true. I do do something with it. But, um, you know, most of the time I just have this unending desire to learn.
1: And there's,
0: there's so I mean, and I think that's one of the saddest parts. I don't mind getting old. I don't mind being, you know, 30. I'm kidding. (laughs) 30 times two. (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) Oh, you just faded out for a second. Like I can't hear you now. Huh.
0: How's that? Can you hear me now? Yeah,
1: now you're. Back. Yeah, I
0: have this little device uh, uh-huh. that's attached to my headphones, and if I hit it, I go mute. So thank you for yes. telling me that. Sure. So every what now and then. I
1: miss. I don't want to
0: yeah. miss a word. I didn't say anything important. Yes, uh, no, did. I was saying that um, uh, just this unending desire to learn, and that you know, as I get older, I realize how much I'll never learn, and it makes me sad. Yes. That's what yes. makes me sad. It's not the getting old, not any of those things. It's you know, I love archaeology. I wanted to be an archaeologist. You know, I just want to Our spend all day spirits. just like, you know, my little brush. And I want to oh, find yeah, the little I don't bone. I do to
1: do that, but I want to read about people who took that oh. little brush.
0: <laughs> I, 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 I do. I want to do that little disgust.
1: brush. <laughs>
0: well, I do like the reading about it. Exactly. I just want to read and... Um, anyway so i could go on and on that was
1: part of what got me in in spiritually also is like i follow a biblical archaeology page on facebook
0: love biblical archaeology me too yeah i have picked up the magazine a few times yeah that's also yeah um so i'll tell you very quickly about tolkien funny are you
1: a fan also i'm not sure i knew that
0: no, not no. really. Okay. Yeah, don't get excited. Oh well, but there's it is... no
1: time. Let's schedule another <laughs> <It's> phone call.
0: <laughs> we might start a Tolkien win podcast. You over to that. <laughs> I'm sure there's not one out there. Um, <laughs> so, going to Cleveland State, I was finishing my undergraduate work, and I had started college back in the '80s, and then got married and had a kid. And as Kim knows, and anybody our age, for a long time, you could get a job with just a high school diploma and some college right? You didn't have to have that final degree. And many women got married, had kids, and, you know, maybe whatever. Um, But my life changed a little bit. And so I really needed that college degree to start getting jobs. It was crazy in the late 90s. I got turned away from so many jobs. They're like, you don't have a college degree. I'm like, but I have four years of college. You know, I'm, I have something going on here. But anyway, so I went back to Cleveland State, finished up my undergraduate, and I had to take an English class. Uh. And all that was available on Tuesdays and Thursdays in the morning, from ten to twelve, was Tolkien. <laughs> I wanted to like tear uh-huh, my see, ears there off. There is a god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want. I was just like,
1: "La la, cannot hear you, la la la."
0: And the very first day, you know, this is also like I'm not a Star <laughs> Trek fan. Um, and the very first day, a woman comes in. And I have to say she's thirty-five or forty. She comes in and she walks up to the professor. Now you probably know that guy at Cleveland State who was the professor teaching Tolkien. This was a long time ago though. But they were having when the movies came out, they were having parties down at Cleveland State. Oh my gosh,
1: I was at them.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'm I can't think of this man's name. He was he was excellent. But anyway, Jay. I, I couldn't tell you. He you know he like this is going to describe every old man we know he had glasses and white hair and a beard and most mustache and a little better yeah, I'm
1: not sure you know, it sounds
0: like everybody but
1: I'm sure I saw him at this oh I'm sure you did because there were professors giving talks on yeah exactly Wagner and Tolkien yes
0: yes and yes and I we had and we could them. go to those things for extra credit
1: oh awesome my gosh we yeah. might have been there together yeah, probably
0: because I took I my kids because they're big oh, I'm fans sure. too, and I'm sure you were there. Yeah. So anyway, so he she runs in. Well, she doesn't run. She walks in, and she walks up and introduces herself, and then she starts to talk about how she speaks fluent Elvish. And I almost left the class because it just reminds me of people who it's speak Vulcan. Much, right?
1: yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Like they speak, you know, Vulcan or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 I can't, this is not for me. I cannot get through this. So anyway, the man starts talking and I'm um, the professor and he starts talking about how Tolkien was actually a linguist. That was yes. actually his, his job. Um, and, yeah. And how he created the languages first and wrote the books to incorporate these languages. And right. that hooked me. I was blown Good. away by that idea, yeah. and so sometime later, I actually started writing a little story about um, the a boy who creates a canoe for his Indian village and is the first person, you know, because the canoe had to start someplace, right? Somebody had to yes. figure out you could float in a tree limb down the river, and yeah. so I was I been working, just like Tolkien, I've been working on this story for 10 years now, (laughs) but I created a language. I was having and I had so much fun. I have so much fun creating the language, and so one of the first exercises the professor gave us was some Middle English um, text, Yes. and he's like, so figure it out. What does this say?
1: (gasps) Awesome.
0: And so, yeah, just like a detective, you start, you know, you have to start taking it apart, and you see the repeated words. You start to figure out what might be a or yes. that. And then once you recognize those letters, what do you call those things? Like I an anagram a or yeah, you start to fill in like a decoder, like yeah. all the things. And then pretty soon you have decoded what this thing is.
1: What a and great um,
0: that, yeah, he caught me. That's a
1: good, he caught you? me. It yeah. was good.
0: It was yeah. good. So anyway, so um, back around to spiritual direction. I know I'm going off oh, topic well. on that, but the whole Tolkien <laughs> thing. No, but and, see, Tolkien
1: um, is deeply spiritual. He never mentions um, religion. And there are really no religious practices in it whatsoever, except for one time when one of the main character turns to the West as kind of a, like a, sort of a blessing, but he never uses those words. It's really interesting. And yet the whole book the uh, well, you know, is so deeply morally interesting. What's the nature yes. of um, yes. mercy? I mean, all the big themes that make for an examined life mm-hmm. are there mm-hmm. and i love that because and it's not a perfect book in in i mean don't fall over if you're a big tolkien fan but you'll probably agree that um you know it's a little racist uh, by today's standards a little tone tone off <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, about I, I different peoples so they get a little yeah.
1: stereotyped and so on oh but, sure, sure you know it's interesting that the book holds up so well that e- scholars are actually addressing that now you know yeah. like not only in a negative way like what would he say if he was more woke <laughs> yeah <laughs> like now, you know <laughs> it's hard not to be a product of your culture absolutely
0: in any absolutely way. and and, and when he writes and, and i good. i don't recall specifically what you are talking about but i'm thinking as a writer and as a reader um those things still exist.
1: Oh gosh! The writing
0: about what is what you observe in the world around you,
1: right?
0: You know, that's not to right. say you support it or deny it. It's no. just to say this is real. This is what right. really goes on with people, and anybody who lived through the last six months of 2020, yeah,
1: knows wow. how easy it is to fall into those judgy traps.
0: Right? Yeah, on both sides, and all Tolkien, sides.
1: Right, right. And Tolkien lived, served in the First World War too. Mm-hmm. So, here's a man who experienced a lot of trauma. You know? Yes. And, um, somebody's recently written a book called Tolkien in the Great War. John Garth. Mm. Okay. Wow. Oh. Fascinating.
0: Okay. Fascinating. Tolkien and the
1: Great War? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And. John Garth. He, he actually won an award for it. It's so good. He's Garth. G-A-R-T-H. G-A-R-T-H. Mm-hmm. Okay,
0: great. Um, after our podcast, when I post this, I, I'll put some references in um, okay. about this information that we've talked about. We have about fifteen minutes left, and oh I definitely this
1: is not even what we thought we would talk about. Which is it's hilarious. good though, isn't it? When right? it, when
0: we can just talk, yes, Let and just have a conversation. So
1: I'll, I'll just come back.
0: <laughs> yeah, anytime, my friend. Of course, I you know I in my mind is always spinning about the next thing, and I'm like, oh, she and I could do a podcast. Or we could do it about blank. You know, I mean, there's opportunities, but sure I definitely want you to talk about your book. Um, oh, that was so one of the reasons that i wanted you to come on so that we can hear about your book the the beginnings of it you know the circling of the drain that inspired it all that stuff so just you just take off and tell us about your book
1: so um my the name of my book is send my roots rain which is a line from a poem by gerard manley hopkins and um the subtitle is a companion on the grief journey Hmm. and um <clears throat> a lot of
0: people I, feeling a lot of grief right now
1: oh my gosh I mean who would have thought that this book would come out a year before a pandemic started yeah so so let's see how do I even talk about it well it took me four years to write it so you know it's not anything just off the top of my head or inspirational frou-frou <laughs> <laughs> I went through gazillion drafts I had the most amazing beta readers I'm very blessed to know quite a few counselors and chaplains and clergy who I think have their heads on straight and um spiritual directors and miss many I had at least 10 beta readers wow that's a lot for a book and they just made the book so much better so and then I did about 40 interviews with grieving people and people mm-hmm. who minister to grieving people mm-hmm. over the four years <clears throat> because I wanted the book to really have the wisdom the accumulated wisdom of those who've suffered and those who work with those who've suffered. Yeah. And so I can n- brag's not the right word but I can enthuse about the book because it's very crowdsourced. It isn't yeah. just me. Mhm. It's the wisdom of many. So the vision of the book and bless Paraclete Press's heart for publishing this because it's quite progressive. I wanted to write a spiritually nourishing book for everybody. Mm, so mm-hmm. people who are churched and unchurched, people who were seekers. And I wanted it to be inclusive. So not even only for Christians, but for all chaplains, for example, who minister to all backgrounds in mm-hmm. a healthcare setting. Um so we so what I did was um spend a whole year <laughs> vetting poems. Like I read about a thousand poems. Wow. Before we picked the 70 that were in here. And when I say we, I had Two really close collaborators in that process, um, Virginia Douglas, who's a retired social worker and Mm -hmm. certified in the Sacred Art of Living and Dying program, and my young friend Molly Bolton, who's was at the time a chaplain at the Cleveland Clinic, and was actively using poetry in her chaplaincy. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and so together we made kind of a greatest hits of where it hurts when you're grieving, (laughs) which sounds weird, but no it's a great way to say it okay good (laughs) it's one of the things that gives the books its strength because we thought there has to be something in here that speaks especially to men especially to women not that I think men and women are different species but you know there is research that shows that men and women sometimes grieve differently Mm -hmm. and younger grievers you know like Mm -hmm. I was following Facebook pages for widows and widowers who were Uh, like 45 and under because they have different needs from widows and widowers who were married a thousand years Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and people who'd lost children and people who'd lost infants and toddlers Mm. and and so we tried to find we did find (laughs) poems that were solid substantial not only and again I'm not trying to be flip here If you've lost, I've had a miscarriage. I haven't lost a baby, but I know something of the pain of losing Mm -hmm. an expected child. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of poems online or writings online about the death of children fall under the kind of God needed another little angel category. And if that comforts you, great. I'm not mocking that, but it does not comfort me. It -hmm. would not have comforted me. So I was looking for some... Resources that were um, not only rooted in a kind of it's God's will and yet deeply spiritual. Mm -hmm. And I think we did it because when the editor finally got the manuscript, he wrote back to me and he said, You have written a book full of poetry for people who think they don't like poetry. Oh, and that was like, That's amazing, Ken so close to my heart I yeah you know
0: (laughs) yeah yeah
1: so the way the poem unfolds is it has four movements the first movement called um well there's a prologue I could read a little bit from if there's time but the first movement is kind of like the beginnings of grief which is actually anticipatory grief a concept Mm. that a lot of people aren't even familiar with but the pandemic has showed us a lot of anticipatory grief because we don't know what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. We know things might never be the same. We are grieving the loss of the old life and we're Mm -hmm. not yet into the new life. So the first part is called dusk and twilight. And those are poems about um, anticipatory grief. So where you might get a bad diagnosis or you're might be a caregiver for somebody who's terminally ill or there's some Alzheimer's poems in here that people have told me really speak to them. And then there's, then they're hopeful too. Like one of my friends, I'm in a spiritual direction group where, you know, we do group spiritual direction. Mm-hmm. And one of my friends who's a therapist said, how are you going to write a book about grieving that isn't depressing? And I took that as a really good challenge because grief is hard and there's no minimizing that, you know, there's no way out, but through, I tried mm-hmm. to avoid language like, resolution or closure I think those are very unfortunate terms mm. when applied to grief because um, if you really really loved somebody how do you get closure on that or you know what I mean it's not like you're going to heal that grief yeah that door language... isn't going to close no exactly <laughs> thank you the language I try to use is you learn how to carry it mm-hmm. you learn how to live with it Anne Lamotte, we have a quote in here oh. from Anne Lamotte who's you know, she's one of my sheroes and she says um you after a huge grief like you might learn how to dance again but you'll dance with a limp you know mm-hmm. and i mm-hmm. think that's totally right so anyway one of the poems in here is grief comes with a ladder and it starts friend you ask when it will end <laughs> that's what everybody wants to know all i know is grief comes with a ladder though not for ascending and boy because until you kind of go down into it, and of course, the research of Brene Brown shows this, too, mm, that mm-hmm. if you're not willing to feel the lows, you rob yourself of the highs. Mm-hmm. And sorrow and joy are inextricably mixed. So anyway, that's a beautiful poem. All of, all of these poems that we chose are like gifts from the individual poet. I didn't write any of them. I'm not a poet. I'm a veteran of poetry, (laughs) Um, but they're individual gifts from voices of wisdom who have taken their pain and boiled it up into something distilled, distilled Mm -hmm. language that really is a powerful springboard for reflection. So the way it goes is there's a poem and then a reflection that I wrote and that my better readers improved and then a quote from somebody. And that way, if a group uses this, because it was designed for use by professionals, this is why it took four years, because I'd write, I you know, write a draft and I'd be like, okay, what's in this for chaplains?
0: Mm-hmm. And I'd be mm-hmm. like,
1: okay, what's in this for individual grievers of all ages with all kinds of losses? Oh, yeah. And then I'd write a draft with, okay, what's in this for use at a funeral? Mm. <laughs> what's in this? For use of somebody who doesn't have a community but is a deep seeker and prays or meditates or writes in a journal you know? mm-hmm. and so i i without weakening it without diluting it <laughs> that's the trick so amazing. how can this be something that a group could use or an individual could bring to someone who's grieving or a person grieving alone could use so
0: let me ask you kim uh-huh. so when you when you conceived of this idea, what was, what was going on? How did you just, I mean, what, you just woke up one day and you're like, you know what we need in this world?
1: <laughs> no, no, I know it was um, like, p- some people would call it a synchronicity. Mm-hmm. Some people would call it the providence of God. I don't know what to call it. Amazing maybe. But so I'd been leading these poetry circles for maybe 10 years and I'd become deeply convinced that poetry was an avenue to spiritual conversation that would bring people together instead of splitting apart. Because, as you know, a lot of spiritual conversation divides people. I mean, I don't think that's the best spiritual conversation, but because they quickly get into theology, and then they're trying to convince one another of the Mm -hmm. rightness of their position. And that is not what I wanted. Yeah. So the four rules for my poetry groups are borrowed from Parker Palmer's Circles of Trust, and they are like no fixing, no saving, no advising, you know, kind of, you can't tell other people what to do. We just listen deeply mm-hmm. and with an open mind. And so I've been doing that all these years. Okay. Wow. Loving it. And then, um, a friend, um, Kelly Brill, who's a UCC minister that I Really, I'm blessed to have people from the whole
0: <laughs> spectrum.
1: She was reading some prof- a professional magazine, and she saw that there was gonna be a conference at Yale on using poetry in ministry. And she's like, Kim, this is your tribe. So you know, I'm I'm working full time, giving workshops and retreats, and I'm busy and. That would all be unpaid days and blah, blah, blah. And I spice, make a long story short, I spent two weeks trying to talk myself out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'd have to get a plane ticket. Oh, I'd have to get a room.
0: I'd have to get my hair cut. (laughs) I'd have to pack. (laughs) All the awfulness.
1: It it didn't work.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. The whole time you're like making this is my
1: tribe. Yeah, exactly. Totally beckoning to me. So I went. It was awesome. There were only about 60 of us there, but there were people from all over the country, all kinds of ministries. Some of them were leading writing groups for, you know, like cancer patients. Some of them Mm. were clergy. Some of them were using poetry and preaching. It was really interesting group. So every day when we would have a meal together, people would mix up. And then we'd often start by going around the table saying, you know, what brings you here? Mm-hmm. So what, so we were doing that one day. And I say, well, I'm leading these poetry groups. And they say, oh, you're helping people write poetry. No. <laughs> That's what everybody thinks when I first tell them what I'm doing. That I, lo- I value that. It's awesome. Very occasionally we will write for 10 minutes during a poetry circle. But mostly we do mindful reading, which a traditional name for that is Lectio Divina. Divine reading. Okay. It's Saint Benedict, um, you know, go ahead. His uh, brothers do it. It's as old as the fifth century. Um, Jewish people do a, a version of that divine reading when they study the Talmud and their scriptures. And so, anyway, it's a really, really powerful way to enter into a text. And so we're doing that with poems. And they go, oh, okay, I get it. So the conversation moves on. Person next to me leans over and says. So I'm an acquisitions editor for Paraclete Press. <laughs> like this doesn't even happen. People go to conferences wow. for years hoping to meet someone who's interested in their idea. And she said, and we we publish a lot of books on grief. And well, do you have any poems on grief? <laughs> I was like, Do I have any poems on grief? You know, one of the jokes among poets is there's only five topics for poems. You know? <laughs> Love, struggle, <laughs> grief you know, family, you know, I don't know yeah, what to yeah. but you know, she said, why don't you submit a proposal? I was like, I don't know how to submit a proposal. She goes, well, write one and send it to me first and then I'll go over it with you and then we'll submit it to the board. I was like, wow. Holy crow. So of course being who I am, you know, a person with a, a lot of confidence and also a quivering mass of terror, you know, which <laughs> I try to balance those two things so I can have a life. Oh, I'm funny. like my first reaction is not holy cow look at this somebody's giving me an opportunity my first reaction is oh my god I,
0: this. I that's funny yeah
1: right okay I, I'm very I
0: mean, similar I'm just, yes no real, I'm very similar you know
1: feel no, field it. it anyway you can yeah, put exactly. that on my tombstone <laughs> so I go to my spiritual director and I tell her about this and then I talk about it the next month and then I talk about it the next month and finally she what a dear soul she was finally I'm sitting one day with my leg my Leg crossed up on my knee, you know, the way you pull your leg up to kind of stretch your. Hand. And she reaches over. She never does did this, and she whaps me on the boot. And she <laughs> goes, "How long are we going to keep talking about this?"
0: Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> Yeah. I was
1: like, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. Nudge, nudge.
1: Yeah. I, said, I don't know. I'm scared. She goes, well, of course you're scared, but you've been preparing for this your whole life. How many poetry <laughs> majors do you think there are out there who have a degree in education, spent their whole life in, law, in adult learning, blah, 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 blah?
0: Right, right, right. You are the whole, exactly. All the pieces, puzzle pieces.
1: So, my came together And it
0: was your face.
1: So I did it. I submitted a proposal, and God gotcha. save me, they took it. That's, <laughs> That's amazing.
0: <how> it <laughs> God save you, but you know the impact you're having on people who read the poetry. Oh, that I hope so. I mean, I do get it.
1: I to get lovely notes from people who are using it, and that keeps me going. And of course, you're never done with a book because even after it's written, nobody knows about it. Right. So right. Thank you for the opportunity to tell people about it. I'm always trying oh, to absolutely. Get Listen, we're we- out there because it is such a useful tool. You know.
0: Absolutely. Um, unfortunately, because we are talkative, our time is running out a little bit, um, but I would love it. Do you have one particular poem that you would like to share or anything in particular that you would like to read from that book? And it, 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 you don't have to, I'm just inviting
1: you to share um, something. So much, you know, yeah. so what I didn't say is that during the period when I was writing this book, both of my parents who'd been in very good health when I started Oh. declined and then died. Oh, I'm so sorry. And they both died right before the manuscript was due. Wow. That was a lot of the circling the drain. Yeah, story. yeah. Um, and so these poems, like, I was carrying them in my heart, you know. Mm-hmm. But here's one, a short one, but I really love it, by Denise Levertov, who's I'm sure known to some of your um, listeners. And it's called Talking to Grief. And it embodies many of the, Um, encouragements that I tried to put in the book to not be afraid because we live in such a grief averse culture
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I mean some people in our culture do grief well the Latinx community the African American community that some groups do but a lot of us really okay we're babes in the woods so she's she's wrestling with that she says oh grief I should not treat you like a homeless dog who comes to the back door for a crust, for a meatless bone. I should trust you. I should coax you into the house and give you your own corner, a worn mat to lie on your own water dish. You think I don't know you've been living under my porch. You long for your real place to be readied when winter comes. You need your name, your collar, and tag. You need the right to warn off intruders, to consider my house your own, and me your person, and yourself my own dog.
0: Kim, that's really... That's really touching and in some ways very appropriate because we were talking about the dogginess of God yes. earlier. <laughs> I love that that's the one you ended up picking. I can't thank you enough for your time today. One okay. last thing. How can people yes. get the book?
1: Oh, well, a great way to, is to go straight to the publisher, Paraclete, P-A-R-A-C-L-E-T-E, press. Okay, I'll put a link com. to it. Okay. And if they put the title in the coupon box, Send My Roots Rain, they'll actually get a discount um, because anybody who comes to one of my workshops, which this is sort of, <laughs>
0: uh-huh.
1: can use the Send My Roots Rain as a coupon to get a discount. Nice. And if you buy for a group, for example, um, some um, churches and so on have been buying it for their people who do ministry with the grieving, like Stevens ministers and so on. That's the best place to get a group discount because then you can get free shipping and so on. But of course it's on Amazon and your independent bookstore can order any book at all. So Mm -hmm. just ask them to order Send My Roots Rain if you support independent bookstores and it's not That's hard awesome. to
0: get Okay. <laughs> Kim, of course, I'm going to end our recording with a huge thank you, but I don't want you to hang up just yet because I'll say okay. goodbye to you privately. All right. That so for the rest of my listeners uh, you, from Bookshelf Shuffles. Oh, yeah. Kim, it was just great Kim, to have you here thank today. You You're Thank you. Really, you're welcome. But thank you. And um, for the rest of my listeners, my next guest is a man named Mark Schapmeier, And he lives in Toronto. So he, he has the distinction of being my first international guest. And he is an illustrator. So we'll get to talk to Mark a little bit about his life illustrating. All right, Kim, so great to see you, as I thank said. You. And for my listeners, I'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Bye bye.